Well, we are talking about in this series, how do we repair the damaged relationships that we have in our lives? Because we all have people in our lives that are difficult for us to love, difficult for us to be in, in relationship with. And the reality is, is they probably didn't start that way, but something happened, right? And something went south, the wheels fell off, and, and now we're in this situation. And maybe it's in your marriage or with your kids or Maybe it's with parents or with a friend. Maybe it's with a fellow student or a coworker. And now we're in this situation and we're not sure exactly what we should do next. Some of you are familiar with the part of, of my story. Laura and I are both Canadian. We moved to the U.S. in, uh, in 2000. And, uh, and so when we did that, when we made that decision, uh, we left all of our family behind in Canada. In fact, I, I went home on Wednesday. I flew home for my mom's 70th birthday. It was 43 degrees just outside of Toronto. And I flew back on Thursday, right? I was like, I'm done. I left my family again. I'm like, I can't do the cold anymore. I gotta, I've got to live where it's a lot warmer. And, and here's one of the cool things for us. Everywhere we've moved, God has provided family for us, right? It's, it's an incredible thing. And it's actually one of the perks of, of moving a lot is that you get, to, you get to choose your family. And so you get to kind of walk around and go, hey, we love you. And, and I love you. You not so much, right? And so you get to, to choose that. Now, let me just ask you this by show of hands. How many of you have someone in your family that you would love to get rid of and swap out for someone else? You can, it's okay. It's all right to keep your hands up because if you don't have your hand up, that may be you, right? You may be the, the relative that, that someone is trying to, to move out. And so that, that's just part of the deal. Now, when we moved to California the first time, uh, God provided that family for us immediately. In fact, it was even during the interview. Uh, and we connected with this family right away. And, and uh, I'm going to uh, I'm gonna name him John to protect, to protect the well, actually, he's guilty. He's not even innocent. But, but in this story, he's guilty. But, but I'm going to change his name because he's a real person and, uh, and he's a pastor somewhere and, and this is going on the internet. And so I, we just, that just should be how we, how we do things that way. And so uh, John and I, we connected very quickly. In fact, we worked together about six or seven days a week doing student ministry. We spent all kinds of time together. We wrote messages together. We did mission trips and, and ministry stuff together. We dreamt about the ministry beyond just the, the working part. We would, he would call on the way home from work, even though we had just spent all day together to, to kind of debrief the day and, and talk about it more. Our family would spend two to three nights at, at their house um, with their family. We were in a, a small apartment because that's all we could afford, but uh, they had a, a, a home. And so we would spend time with them there. And it was fantastic. And in fact, we dreamed of doing ministry together. Laura worked with his wife. In fact, during the interview, she got her, she got Laura an interview and she got a job right away there. And so they worked together. Our kids were best friends. They went to school together. They, uh, they did church together. Again, spent two to three nights a week together. And it was, it was amazing, right? We, we vacationed together. We did Disney together. We even watched 24 together. And if you haven't watched 24 before, it's an old, it's an old television show. It, there will be reruns in heaven because that's just how good it is. But if you have, there's nothing that bonds your relationship faster than watching Jack Bauer break fingers and shoot people in the kneecaps, right? Like it was, it was amazing for bringing us together. I mean, we did everything together. We would have even moved in together, but that was kind of weird. So we didn't do that, right? But I mean, it was, it was that kind of, we, for two years, we did life together with this family. And it was amazing until it wasn't. 
See, I thought we were at a place in our relationship where, where I could kind of be honest and be real. And so I shared something from my past with him. And, and his response was great. He said, dude, this doesn't change anything. We're all good. We're going to navigate through this together and, and it's fine. The problem is, is that, that his words and his actions didn't quite measure up. And it was weird and, and it was gross, right, all of a sudden. Right? And, and it became hard because all of a sudden we, we were working together, but we weren't really kind of hanging out anymore. His door was closed a lot more and my, my phone calls went to voicemail. We weren't invited over for dinner anymore. We didn't do Disney trips together. You even got to the, the place where, where 24 kind of ended for that season. And it felt, like, it felt like the season of this family had come to an end as well. And nothing that I did seemed to fix it. We'd run into each other at work on an on a, on a annual basis or regular basis, right? And, and I'd ask him, I'm like, dude, what can I do? How, how can I fix this? He was like, oh no, there's nothing wrong. We're, we're all good. I'm just really, really busy. But it got worse. In fact, we ended up, we stopped working together for a period of time. We, we got deported. I don't think that was his fault, but it might've been, right? I'm not even sure about that. And we've shared with you before, we were in a car accident, a very serious one. And so we were at a place as a family where we just were in desperate need of family around us. But this family that we had done life with, they were, they were nowhere to be found. And it hurt. I mean, it, it cut deep. And, it, and it's one thing to hurt me, but it's another thing when, when you hurt my family. Right, that's where the old hockey player comes out and the gloves are off, right? And now, now we might have to dance a little bit because you, you don't go around um, messing with my family. Please hear me when I tell this story. I recognize for many of you, maybe even all of you, that you've suffered through things that are, are far worse than this. Maybe for you, it's in the context of your marriage. Maybe your vows for better or for worse meant nothing to your spouse. Maybe for you, it's in the, the context of a, of a family member who had a habit that was, that was under control until it wasn't under control and blew up your family. Maybe it's a kid who thinks that their way is better than your way or a parent that walked away and, and abandoned you. Maybe it's a friend you trusted so much secrets with, so much of your life with, and, and they basically turned around and made it insta everything, right? And now it's out there for everyone to see. Maybe it's a boss that keeps skipping over you when it comes to, to promotions. Maybe it's a, a student that, that took your work and, and claimed it as their own. Maybe, maybe you were abused and you didn't do anything to deserve that. And yet nothing in your life seems to remove the pain. No, nothing takes care of the scars. Nothing changes the memories. So we've all been there. Maybe it's just different names or, or, or different details, but the results are the same. The, the pain and the hurt, the anger, the, the bitterness, the resentment, the betrayal. And the results from that are the same as well. See, when we're wounded, when, when someone hurts us, we, we have this sense in our lives, like, like, like someone, the person that hurt us, that they're now indebted to us. Right, that they've done something that, that now is, is requiring a, a debt to be paid, that, that something has been, has been taken from us. And we, and we show that. We show that when we make statements like, you owe me an apology, right? And that word owe shows up. Maybe it's a boss that, that again, it doesn't feel like they're giving you the respect that you deserve, right? And, and they owe you. Or maybe it's a, a spouse that, that is not being as sensitive to your needs as you need them to be. And it begins to build up inside of you. And we get to this place where we now have these, these uh, develop these IRS relationships, and what I mean by that is it's an, I require something, right? I, I require something from you and I'm here to collect, right? Like I, I want something back from you because of what you've taken from me. And so what do we do? 
We begin to build our case, don't we? And we begin to have those imaginary conversations in our mind. Don't you love those conversations? They're, they're so great because you win all the time, right? In those conversations in your mind. In 22 years of marriage, right? The, the conversations that I have in my mind have never played out the same way in my relationship with Laura. I am O for every time, every, every time, right? It's just, it's never gone that same way. But in our mind, right, when we present our case to that person that hurt us, when, when, when we share with them everything that they did to us and we give them those, those details, they're, they're gonna come to our side. They're gonna beg for our forgiveness. They're gonna beg for things to be, to be made right again. But until that person comes crawling back, until they're back in our lives, until they apologize for what it is that they've done, when we're reminded of that pain and, and of that hurt, right, it takes us to a, to a dark place. And then one day, maybe you're sharing with someone and you're sharing that, that hurt with a, a friend and, and what it is that you've gone through and, and they remind you that as a Christ follower, you shouldn't feel that way. And they throw the F word at you, forgive. And you wanna throw an F word back at them. <laughs> Forget it, right? Forget it. If you had a different F word that you... You need to apologize to Jesus, right? Because that's a whole other, you're in a, you're, that's a whole different thing right there. If that's it. And, and, and it's hard because when you hear that, that, that you need to forgive, it just doesn't make any sense, right? Because, because you're the victim, right? You don't owe them. Why, why would you do them the favor of forgiving them? You're the one that, that had something taken from you. They owe you. You don't owe them. And so you continue to hold on to that anger and you continue to hold on to that hostility and the bitterness and, and the hardness sets in. And you're gonna wait it out. You're gonna wait it out until they come begging for forgiveness from you. See, the problem is, is that deep down as a, as a follower of Jesus, we know that that's not the right way to respond. That's not the way that we should feel. But what we do is we take all of this emotion, right? And we just try to, to stuff it down and we try to pretend that it's not there and we try to, to be in control of it. The problem is, is that it is still there and it's lurking right below the surface. Or, or the opposite happens is that it begins to, to outflow over our lives, right? It comes out of us like a, like a volcano and it, and it pours out onto the people that are closest to us. People that didn't do anything wrong. People that don't deserve it. And yet they're the ones that get that emotional baggage that flows from us. Any Star Wars fans here, Star Wars fans. Uh, do you remember the scene from the, the Force Awakens? I think that was the last one. I'm not, I'm not 100% sure. There's a lot, of, a lot of those movies. But in it, in it there, Han Solo is there, right? And he's having a conversation with his son, Ben Solo. And, and Ben has been on the dark side, right? And so there's this, this confrontation that's happening. And, and here's what Han says. He says, it's not too late. Come home, I, I miss you. And here's what his son says back to him. He says, I'm being torn apart. I wanna be free of this pain. I know what I have to do, but I don't know if I have the strength to do it. Will you help me? And his father responds, yes, anything. Right, and, and I remember watching the movie and I remember at that point like, like, like thinking, man, this is it. The father and son, they're, they're coming together, the light side and the dark side. And I, I, remember, I remember thinking like, reunited and it feels so good, right? Like, and I don't even know if that's really the meaning of the song, but I remember thinking like, this is, this is fantastic. And all of a sudden it pans in on, on the sun, on Ben Solo and you hear, Vroom, which is his lightsaber going right through the heart of his father. I thought, man, how many of us feel that same way? That I wanna be free of this pain, right? I know what I need to do, I just don't know if I have the strength to do it. 
And then we just go ahead and we just lightsaber right through people. And we cut them down. And sometimes we try to cause pain in the lives of others. So what do we do with that? What if there was a way what if there was a way in which we could deal with the people who have hurt us in our lives and, and, and we could actually forgive them? What if I could convince you there was a way that, that would actually make it worth it? And what if I could give you a way to do it? If you have your Bible, I'd love for you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 18. And if you didn't bring a Bible, that's okay. You can follow along on the, on the side screen with us or you can download our app as well. And, uh, and we've got some notes there. Let me give you a little bit of the story of what's happening as you turn to Matthew 18. One day Jesus is talking with a group of people. And he's trying to explain to them a process of how you, how you begin to um, restore a relationship between two individuals that's broken. And while he's talking, right, Peter is there, one of his disciples, and he's listening to Jesus. And Jesus must have said something that reminded him of, of something that was going on in Peter's own life. Because, because Peter asks a question. Right? And from this question, I'm assuming that someone has offended Peter. Someone has hurt him. And, and it's not just once. It's over and over and over again. And so Peter is listening to what Jesus is teaching. And, and he's, he's got to be thinking at the same time about this personal issue, this personal thing that's going on in his life and trying to figure out how, how do these two things go together. And so when Jesus is done teaching, Peter pulls him aside and says, Jesus, can, can we just have a, a quick conversation? And he asks Jesus a question. He says, how many times should I forgive someone that, that keeps hurting me over and over and over again. Like, like, at what point, Jesus, do I get to draw the line and say that that's it? Like, like, like I'm, we're done with, with this, right? At, at what point? And, and he's trying to impress Jesus. And so Peter says, Jesus, how about seven times? And it's really a great answer because in the, in the Torah, in the Old Testament law, all that was required was that you forgive someone three times. And after three times of forgiving them, that's it, right? Like, you're done. You don't have to forgive them anymore. And so, so Peter says, well, what, what about seven times, Jesus? But in asking this question, Peter revealed a, a common misconception to the nature of forgiveness. And I think at, at, at some point in our lives, I think we probably all have experienced this same, this same confusion that Peter has. And it's because Peter's assumption is that forgiveness is for the benefit of the offender. And so Peter says, you know what, Jesus, I'll, I'll be the bigger man here, right? Like, I'll, I'm going to take the high road. Right, Jesus, I'm gonna go above and beyond. I'm gonna go the extra mile. So what if, I forgive, what if I forgive this person seven times? But after that seventh time, Jesus, right, then can we agree that, that that's it, right? Like I don't have to do this anymore. I draw the line there. See, Peter was so convinced as, as many of us are. He was convinced that, that to forgive someone is to do them a favor. Look at what it says in, in verse 18, beginning, or chapter 18, beginning at verse 21. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? And Jesus answered, I tell you not seven times, but 77 times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And as he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. And since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. And at this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. And the servant's master took pity on him and canceled the debt and let him go. But when the servant went outside, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. And he grabbed him and he began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. And his fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and, 
and I will pay it back. But he refused. And instead he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. And when the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged. And when they told their master everything that had happened. And then the master called the servant in. He said, you wicked servant. He said, I, I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? And in anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all that he owed. Now, we don't really know what Peter was thinking at this moment, but my guess is that halfway through the story, right, Peter realizes that this isn't going the way he wanted it to go, right? Like this story isn't working out to his advantage anymore. It was very clear in this story that God is the, the, the king, right? God is the master. God's the one in, in charge, which means that, that Peter is the, the wicked servant in the story. Peter is the one that has had a great debt forgiven. And Peter is also the one who has refused to forgive someone of a, of a so much smaller debt in, in comparison. And Peter may not have been a genius, right? But, but he, he got it. He understood that the moral of this story is that he has to forgive every single time he's hurt. Every single time that he is offended. And if he doesn't, if he doesn't, then then God's coming after him, right? Which, and and I'm, sure, I'm sure Peter's next thought was the, the same thought that, that probably most of us are having right now, which is, that's not fair, right? And Peter's thinking, hold on, time out, Jesus. Time, hold, I, I think you misunderstood me, right? Like, I'm the victim here. I'm the victim. I already have someone that's making my life miserable, right? Like I, I already have someone that's hurting me. And what you're saying is that if, if I don't take the high road, if, if I don't forgive that you're gonna come after me, Two, right? Like both of you are now coming after me. But notice how Jesus wraps up this parable. Verse 35, he says this. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. End of story, right? It just ends there. And, and, I, and I think Peter's probably sorry that he brought the whole thing up, right? Like I, he probably is in a place where he's like, I'm not gonna ask Jesus questions anymore, right? Because this isn't, this isn't good. And we smile, but I, but I think, I think for many of us, we're in a place, right? We're here this weekend and we've gone through incredible hurt and incredible pain. In fact, if I were to bring you up on stage and you were to share what that is, right? And, and share that with everybody, we, we would all come alongside and, and understand that, that yeah, you, you, you should be mad. You should be angry. You have every right to feel the way that you feel because of what that person did to you. But look at what Jesus says here. And please be clear with this. This isn't me, right? Because, because if this was Donnie, right? Donnie would be like, yeah, you, 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 do feel, you should feel the way that you feel, right? Like they did hurt you. You should get them back, right? Like you go get them. I'm gonna look over here. You go do what you gotta do. Tell me when you're done. And because and, and, that's what I would want to do. But, but look at what Jesus says. He says, you've got to forgive or I won't forgive you. And so God takes this whole forgiving others thing very, very seriously. In fact, do you remember the Lord's Prayer? Do you remember that? There's a time where Jesus' disciples, they're hanging around and they're watching Jesus. And Jesus, when he prays, there's just something, there's something incredible about the way that Jesus prayed. And so his disciples were like, Jesus, will you teach us how to pray like that? I mean, your connection with God and the power and the authority of that, will you just teach us to pray that way? For many of us, we used to say this prayer in school. Or maybe you said it on your football team before you went out to the field, right? And it's in Matthew chapter six, verse nine, and it says this, our father in heaven, Hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts, or, or maybe you used to say trespasses, right? As we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Do you remember that? You remember praying that? See, we usually stopped right there, right? That's kind of where the end of the, of the prayer came, but, but we, we don't usually look at what Jesus said immediately after. Look at verse 14. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Right? Of all the things in the prayer, this is, this is the thing that Jesus really thinks is, is, is important to highlight and to focus on. See, forgiveness is optional unless you want God's forgiveness, right? And then, then it's, it's not so optional. See, I can give you all kinds of reasons of why forgiveness would benefit your health. And I can give you some Dr. Phil-isms of, of how it, may, it might make your life better and, and stuff. But the most important reason is simply because God forgave us and Jesus tells us that we need to, in, in response to that, forgive others. But they didn't ask for it. No, they didn't. But neither did you. Right? I mean, God went first, right? We just, we just had Easter a couple weeks ago and we, we talked about that. When Jesus went to the cross and when he, when he hung on that cross, he said, I'm, I'm giving you my life in exchange for your sin. I'm taking your sin, giving you my perfection. I'm forgiving you of everything, right? Jesus went first before you asked for it. But, but Donnie, they, they don't deserve it. No, no, but neither did you when God forgave you. If there was nothing you could do to earn it. You, you didn't deserve God's forgiveness. So am I just supposed to, to pretend that it, it didn't hurt and, and forget that, that it even happened? No, no. See, forgiveness, it's, it's a choice that we make. It's an immediate decision, but rebuilding trust, it, it takes time and it takes wisdom and it, and it takes work in that relationship. And remembering, remembering is powerful because it reminds us of how much we've been forgiven. Is, is forgiving someone else, is that just, isn't that just minimizing the offense? No, it's not. What it is is saying, God, I trust you. I trust that you're gonna work out the whole justice thing in this. My job isn't to get even. My job isn't to get justice. God, that's your job to figure all of that out. Look at what Paul said in Ephesians 4, verse 32. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. Which leads for hopefully all of us to one more F word, which is fine. Fine, right? Like, I, I get it, I get it. But okay, let me ask this question. How, how do I do it, right? How do, how do, I, how do I do it? I, I get that I'm supposed to forgive, but how, how do I actually go about doing it? See, I think, I think forgiveness is a lot like vacuuming. Um, when, hear me with this, right? When, when you're vacuuming, how, how, many of you, how many of you think it's important to have straight lines when you're vacuuming, right? They, they've all gotta be parallel. And got, that's the craziest thing I've ever heard, right? Like, that doesn't matter. Mowing the lawn, yes, those lines have to be straight, right? But vacuuming, vacuuming's not that big a deal, right? Like, but Laura, Laura made a, a vacuuming deal with me recently, and, uh, and she said, hey, what if, what if we do this? What if I clean downstairs and, and you, you vacuum upstairs? And, and so I had to think about it because there's more carpet upstairs, but but we have less guests that are upstairs, right? Which means that it, I probably don't have to do it as often. And so it felt like a good deal and I, I agreed and I said yes. Then she told me that she had just bought one of those robot vacuums for downstairs, right? Like, 
And I was like, not only is she beautiful, but she's way smarter than me, right? Like, I don't stand a chance in this, in this relationship. And so, and so she then explained to me that the charging station is downstairs and, and the vacuum can't go upstairs, which wanted me to, to, to say to her, yeah, well, let me bring it upstairs and see how it does going downstairs, right? And, but then I realized I'd have to replace it. And so I didn't wanna, I didn't wanna do that either. So, so I have to vacuum the, the old fashioned, the, the traditional way, right? Like I've gotta push it. Now, now when you do it, right, what do you do? When you're vacuuming and you come along something that doesn't vacuum up, what do you do? You, you try it from a different angle, right? Like you, you come at it from this side and it's still not working. So then you, you try it from this way and, and it still doesn't work. So then, then what do you do when there, there's something that's stuck there? You, you bend over and you pick it up and you what? You, you look at it, right? What, what, and then what do we do with that? Throw it back down, right? And then try again. Why do we do that? Why, why, I don't know why, why we do that. And then we throw it down and it's like, no, it's still not working, right? And we pick it up and, throw, and, and we do this over and over again. See, I, I think vacuuming, Vacuuming, it's kind of like this because there are things in our lives, right, where, where we, just, we just can't get rid of. We just can't get rid of those things on our own. And so what do we do? Hey, we, uh, what do we do with this? Let me give you a couple things. Let me give you three steps. Three steps on how you can begin to move forward in, in this process of forgiveness. The first is this, is you pray for the person that hurt you. See, Jesus told us that, that, that we need to forgive. And so how do we do that? Well, Jesus told us how to do it as well. He told us that we need to, to pray for those that hurt us. Look at Luke chapter six, verse 28. He said this, bless those who curse you and pray for those that hurt you. And I remember right in, in my whole John situation, I remember when I read that, I, I remember thinking, okay, God, all right, I'll, I'll, pr I'll pray for John. If that's what you want me to do, I'll, I'll pray. And so I started praying for him. God, I want you to do something to him, right? Like, <laughs> Like, like give him hemorrhoids, right? Like that's what I want, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, give him the roids, right? That's what I want you to do, right? I name it and claim it. That's what I, you want me to pray, God? That's what I'm praying. And so there, there it is, it's in front of you. But, but that's not exactly what Jesus meant, right? He, and he's very serious about this because look what he also said in Matthew chapter five, verse 43. He said, you've heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. And we're all like, yeah, I'm down with that. But... But here's Jesus being Jesus again, right? Jesus says this, but I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. And I remember, right, when I, when I read that verse, it, it just began to change things for me. See, instead of praying, God, would you do something to him? Now I know that I need to pray, God, would you do something in him? Or maybe it's even, God, would you do something for him. And over time, right, the more that I began to pray this, uh, my heart began to soften and, and I was genuinely able to begin to pray for him. And, and I know for some of you, you've been around church for a while, right? And you're just like, yeah, but that's just, that's just Jesus being Jesus, right? I get it. Love your enemies. But, but you have to understand that if you were around in first century when Jesus said this, that's not how you would have responded. In fact, this was so, so shocking, right? It was so countercultural what Jesus is saying because in the crowd, in that audience, there are Romans that are there and the Romans, they worship the God of revenge. And it wasn't just like get you back for doing something. Like it was times 10, right? Like it was, it was like revenge on steroids, right? Like, like we're gonna, we're, like you're gonna get it from us. And so that's part of his audience. The rest were the Jewish people. And they believed in the Old Testament law, which was very clear, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, blood for blood. Right? And so if you took something from me, man, I'm taking something back from you. If, if you hit me, I'm going to hit you. You hurt me, I'm going to hurt you. Someone flips you off when you're driving, right? Like you're getting the double birds back. That's what you're getting in response, right? Peel the banana. That's what you're getting right now in response. Like that's how, that's it. 
This is why I don't have a hope bumper sticker on my car, right? When I'm driving because of that. Because it's, it's like, I'll show you where to go. And I need to holster, holster that finger, right? Like, and and put, it, put it back there. Because Jesus says, no, that's not, that's not how we're going to deal with this. You need to love your enemy. I want you to think about that person right now, right? That, that person that hurts you. And it's not hard because you've been thinking about them for the past like 20 minutes, right? Like they've been, they've been in your mind. And now I want you just to simply love them. Invite them over for dinner this week. Or, or maybe it's you're gonna sit down with them and, and watch, watch the Canes in, in their next playoff game. Or, or maybe, the, maybe you just can't be with them, but, but maybe it's I'm gonna write them a letter. And I'm gonna tell them that, that I've, I've forgiven them. See, Jesus says, I, I know what they did to you. And I know how you feel about this. But if someone hurts you, you pray for them. Someone takes advantage of you, you, you pray for them. Someone gossips about you, pray for them. Someone lies to you, pray for them. Someone took something of significance from you, you pray for them. Someone abused you, pray for them. Why did Jesus say this? And there's probably dozens of reasons, right? But I, I think a, a big part of it is that a right response determines a, a right result. See, when my heart is right, then I'm gonna make right decisions. But if you're sitting around waiting, waiting until you feel like forgiving that person, it's never gonna happen. You're never gonna feel like it. You're never gonna do it. And so what praying does is it puts us in a place where God can begin to work in, in your heart. My relationship with John, when I realized that I had to, to forgive him, I started with prayer. And, and I'll be honest with you, this, this took weeks, weeks of me walking and praying and walking and praying and walking and, and praying. Because when I first started, I, I couldn't even say his name. Right? Like I, I, I was so, it was so hurt. I, I, I couldn't even say his name. And so my first prayer literally was, God, would you help me to say his name? God, will you just help me to be able to say his name? And, and eventually I got to that place where I was able to say his name. But every time I said his name, it was so filled with anger. And my next prayer was, okay, God, will you, will you help me to stop being angry? And eventually I got to the place, right, where I could say his name and, 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 and there wasn't a, an emotional response that came with it until I heard someone say his name or until I saw him from a, from a distance at church, right? And, and all of a sudden the temperature would begin to go up and I felt like I was beginning to, to turn green a little bit, right? Like a Hulk smash, right? Like I'm thinking, like, I, I'm not there yet. I'm not there yet. And, and I'd have to go back and start praying all over again. But eventually I got there. And if I'm honest with you, that to me, that felt good enough, right? That I could pray his name and, and I, didn't, I didn't feel angry anymore. And, and I thought that was it, but, but I knew that it wasn't. I knew that I had to then move on to the next prayer, which was, God, would you help me to, to forgive him? Even without an apology, even though it's not gonna change what happened in my life, I choose to release him of the debt. I, I forgive him unconditionally. But I sensed that I still wasn't done yet. Right, that God was still urging something inside of me. And, and, and what I knew that God wanted me to do next was that God wanted me to begin to pray for him. And so I had to pray, God, would you help me to pray for him? Will you help me to want what's best for him? What's best for his family? What's best for the, the church that he's at now? What's, what's best for his future? If I'm honest with you, I'm, I'm not calling him right, and, and trying to, to ask to be friends again. I, I'm never gonna share anything with him again, but I'm also not praying that, that he gets hemorrhoids anymore, right? Like, I, I've moved past that, and I, and I really do, I, I really honestly want what's best for him and his family. And I don't know if my prayers changed John at all, but I know that they changed me. 
So your prayers for others, they may not change them. They, they may not change the circumstance or situation that you're in, but they will always, they will always change you. I don't pretend to know what it is that you've gone through, but I do believe that prayer is the first step to healing, the healing that we all want, the healing that we all need in our lives. Here's the second, is that you forgive because God forgave you. See, who does unforgiveness hurt? It, it hurts God. It hurts God because, because he wants his children, he doesn't want his children treating each other this way. He wants us to, to love and to respect and to, to honor each other. But it also hurts us when there is unforgiveness in our hearts, right? It's like drinking poison. And you've probably heard that saying before. It's like drinking poison and, and hoping that the other person dies. See, it always hurts you more than it hurts the other person. They don't even know that you're still thinking about them. And when we live with bitterness and, and resentment, with hatred in our hearts, then, then that wound is, is still infected and it remains infected in us. See, when God, when, when we put our trust in Jesus, what God did is, is incredible, right? Because it's, it's not that we, it's, we're, it's more than even just being forgiven. All of our sins are wiped out. I mean, it, God has no record of our sins anymore. Your past sin, gone, present, done, right? Future, already dealt with. You haven't even done it yet. And God has already taken care of all of that. And, and, and just to be clear, I don't believe that God forgets any of those things. Otherwise, otherwise God, there'd be things that you would know that God doesn't know, right? And so, so it's not that God forgets all of it. It's just that he simply chooses to release the debt. He chooses to not hold it against you anymore and to never, never bring it up again. Colossians 3.13 says this, bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. See, I don't know what you've been forgiven of, but I can tell you that I have been forgiven of, of so much more in my life than you could ever possibly imagine. What I know is that the one who forgave me has asked me to forgive others. And he's asked me to forgive others the way that he has forgiven me completely, unconditionally, and by going first. Third step is this. It's simple. It's you just repeat as often as necessary. So you're not done making mistakes. Neither are other people. And I know that I'm, I'm going to make plenty more mistakes in my life, which means that I'm going to need plenty of more forgiveness in my life. And so I have to put this principle into place, which is I forgive because God forgave me. See, imagine what this could look like in our lives. Imagine if, if Sarah's story that you heard earlier, imagine if Sarah's story was your story. How many relationships could be healed if fathers and, and sons would simply embrace, right, and, and, and say to one another, I forgive you. How many relationships would be changed if mothers and daughters would just let the, the past be in the past, right? And, and they would embrace each other and they would choose to forgive the way that Jesus has forgiven us. What if husbands and, and wives, even though adultery is, is grounds for divorce, what if they instead decided that, that it's also grounds for forgiveness? What if somehow in the same way that we've been forgiven by the power of the Holy Spirit working in us, we, we find the grace to offer that same forgiveness to someone else. How many people would be set free? I know at least one. You. See, is there anyone in your life that you need to forgive? It's not going to be easy. It's not going to be quick. It's always going to be worth it. God, because you forgave me of so much, because you went first in my life and because you do this on the daily for me, right? Like every single day, I choose to forgive. I choose to cancel the debt. God, would you help me to walk out of here 
today free. Will you bow with me as we pray? God, thank you. Thank you for loving me through Jesus. God, I give you my life. I ask that you would forgive all of my sin. Make me brand new. God, fill me with your spirit so that I can follow you. God, my life is not mine. I, I give it to you. Father, I ask that you would help me to forgive in the same way that you have forgiven me. God, would you give me the courage and the strength to deal with this issue in my life? God, would you help me to prayerfully forgive anyone that has hurt me? God, help me to go first. Help me to choose to cancel the debt. And God, when I'm reminded, reminded of what happened, reminded of what they did to me, God, would instead of getting angry, would you remind me of how much you've forgiven me? God, help me to do this as often as I need to, because when we love others the way that you've loved us, not only will we experience your, your forgiveness and, and your blessing, but God, we will experience the kind of life that we're all searching for. Jesus, we love you. Thank you. We pray this in your name. Amen.